0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: Welcome to the Chronic Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of the SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of the Team Drops
2: the Ball. Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is
3: nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis.
1: Bing! Take that to the bank. L.B. Those are the only letters that matter because the Saints are hemorrhaging linebackers. Kevin's gonna get his horse down. Now here's your host, Ralph Malpro.
2: Welcome to the Chronic Podcast, sponsored by the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They have 136 draft beers on tap. They have 50 big screen TVs. They have the giant uh, 12-foot TV where you can watch all, I guess, LSU baseball if you're in Baton Rouge. That's what you're looking forward to because the basketball team is terrible. They have a great menu. It's off season. You need to get reacquainted with your wife because football season is over. So if you're in Baton Rouge... What a nice way. Take her to the Pelican House, then maybe a movie. Learn what she did the last four months of her life while you were watching the Saints. The Pelican House, 2572 City <laughs> Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They support us, so you should support them.
0: All right. Uh, Funny because it's true. <laughs> it so
2: is. Not for so me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All
2: right, Dave. You and Andrew weren't on the podcast. Yeah,
3: Kevin, Kevin managed to unload his wife during football season. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bloom! I, I, I am staying away. I am staying away from that. <laughs> staying away from that. It's
2: officially the off season because we've turned on each other.
1: <laughs> like, like all saints fans apparently have.
2: Yeah. In I know. The last
1: uh, 24 hours, 48 hours. That's some shit.
2: Dave, uh, you and Andrew weren't on the post game show where I was just blitzed and could barely get out coherent sentences with Kevin. So give me your thoughts on the Saints' unfortunate loss in Seattle.
0: Well, I mean, it is unfortunate that they lost, but, I mean, you know, for those people that listen to our pregame podcast, they ought to know that I don't think any of us were surprised. We, we all picked the Seahawks pretty huge. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think any of us uh, were really surprised by the outcome. We can still be disappointed. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't – I wasn't there on the postgame show. I mean, I definitely have my opinions on all of the talking points. Um Mark Ingram's fumble, I rewatched it. I think he had a good handle on it. I think that was really just a good play by the defensive player to get his helmet on the ball. Um, I don't think it was anything that, uh, you know, it looked like Ingram had had it wrapped up pretty well when he was going through the hole and going over the line. Uh, so I don't blame him for that. Um, the Meacham catch, I mean, that was... That I I when when that happened when it got tipped by the defenders and Meacham wound up catching it I thought that that was it I was like <laughs> this is it uh, it's gonna happen we're gonna somehow pull this out by the grace of God and the football gods are smiling on us it's gonna be the greatest um, five
2: minutes in the history of Saints football that's what I, yeah that, I, I mean I thought I,
0: I, I thought that that was a sign from the football gods above. Um, but uh, Sean Payton and his shitty play calling put an end to that. I do not agree. I do not like the play calling uh, when you're on the 30-yard line and you just need a touchdown. Um, three pass, straight pass plays. I'm not against being aggressive, but the running game was working so well all, all week. I don't know how you don't call at least one running play on that, especially if you, if you consider yourself in four-down territory. Um, the Colston play at the end of the game, um, first of all, I think either that was a designed play. He said it was um, today. He it by was, the way, they he did. Okay. Play. I was going to say it was either a design play, uh, to catch them off guard or Coulson had no idea yeah. that there was still time left on the clock. Um, but either way, if your opinion is. If you think less of Colston because of that play than you did two days ago or three days ago, you're a terrible person. You're an idiot. If you didn't like Colston before that play, then you're even more terrible. Um,
3: <laughs>
0: Terran Armstead, I think um, I think if there's anything positive we're going to take from this game. Um, Is it Terran
3: it, it, or Terran?
0: Terran, whatever, you know, whatever. Okay. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think. I think I think his play was awesome. I think he has really come on to only give up one sack to the Seahawks in this defense. Um, I think was impressive. I honestly, I wish they had made that switch. I wish they had benched Charles. In retrospect, I wish they had benched Charles Brown earlier. Honestly, the Saints might have been able to win the game in St. Louis, or they might have been able to uh, win a couple of those other earlier games had they uh, had the gumption to make the switch earlier. I understand why they didn't, but I think Charles Brown is done. Let's get rid of him. Uh, Armstead is the future. Um, Jimmy Graham getting shut down I don't have a problem with that I don't expect Jimmy Graham to come out with two touchdowns And 120 yards every game Um Team oppo- opposing teams have tape on him. Uh, some teams are gonna really, really, really focus on Jimmy Graham the way that the Saints oftentimes will focus on Frank Gore or Marshawn Lynch. Uh, you know, do, do do you think when when the Saints shut down a running back like that, the uh, the fans of the opposing team go, oh? Frank Gore sucks. We gotta cut his ass. Oh, Marshawn Lynch sucks. He's gotta cut his ass. He didn't get 100 yards and two touchdowns. Doesn't work like that, okay? I think Seattle did a good job of shutting him down, and that's just what happens. What I do have a problem with is the Saints not adjusting, not adjusting to that. You gotta take what you, what you're being given. Um, I think all season, the Saints did a great job of adjusting during the game. You know, they might give up a a touchdown or something big early on, but they always tightened up. And I feel like the opposite was not true with this offense this year. I feel like they did a very poor job of adjusting to what they were being given, what was being thrown at them during the game. Uh, I'm not okay with continuing to try to throw it. Into to Graham when he's uh, through it, you know, through the eye of a needle when he's double covered. Don't try to force it. If it's not being given to you, you can't just take it. Um, uh, the uh, Turnovers. The Saints. Ha- the Saints. You know, the second half of the season went downhill for the Saints. I think overall, they just didn't play as well the second half of the season as they did the first season. I think a lot of that has to do with turnovers. They just never. They were just. They didn't. Never they, able. They,
2: they didn't create two turnovers in a game after week nine.
0: They were never able to create. I think they've created four turnovers in the last eight games or so six seven games including the playoffs um they just you have to be able to create turnovers they they have just been terrible at doing that um people want to blame the offense or the defense uh i think we need to be blaming special teams uh i don't and i don't mean just shame graham um more he's can't catch balls i get the weather but still come on dude this is the biggest <laughs> game uh of the season you know you can't be taking nut shots um <laughs> Shane Graham, I blame him for the second kick. Luke McCown, I blame for the first kick. Laces out, bro. Ray Finkel. Um, but all three of those guys, all those mistakes, all that happened on special teams. You want to blame offense or defense, I say screw it to either of them. Let's blame uh, let's blame special teams. They, they missed six potential points. Um, People saying the Saints need to score more points um, early. They need to get up on uh, on opponents early. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. I would love to see that, but that hasn't necessarily actually been their M.O. It feels like that they've been doing that a lot, but that actually has not been what they've been doing. This year, I think they scored 86 points in the first quarter of all their regular season games. In 2009, they scored like 85. So they actually scored more points in the first quarter of games in the regular season of this season than they did in 2009 when they won the Super Bowl. I looked at the numbers. It's actually the second quarter where they... They dominate in the second quarter when it comes to points scored. That's their, by far, that is their best point-scoring quarter in the Sean Payton era. Only one season, 2010, or let me put it this way. Since 2006, the Saints have scored more points in the second quarter than any other quarter in any given season except for 2010. Uh, I would say that that's pretty much it. Andrew... Dave brought up an interesting point
2: about you know the offense. They, they didn't make adjustments in, in, in certain games this year, and especially in Seattle. How much of that is the Saints not being able to make adjustments, and how much of it is this offense, the personnel, is just old at the wide receiver and skill positions to a certain extent?
3: Look, I think a lot of people are blaming Breeze or Graham, um, and I think it's important to look at the game that Russell Wilson had um, as well. And the bottom line is the weather, the wind, the precipitation, all of those things combined are going to lead to a a passing attack doing jack shit. I mean, look, Drew Breeze had over 300 yards passing in this game, and That's that's a borderline. That's a miracle. I mean, that that is miracle work right there that that he was able to throw for over 300 yards against that pass defense with that weather. He got some breaks, though. I mean, he he got some breaks and, and, you know, he certainly got some garbage yards down the stretch. But look, the bottom line is you couldn't throw and you, you you look that defense you can't throw on that defense regardless that, that that is arguably one of the best pass defenses in NFL history and i'm not just pulling that out of my ass i mean statistically in terms of the qb rating yielded i believe their back four is like second in NFL history to the vikings in in like 82 or something crazy i, I mean i read this so um anyway i mean we're talking about one of the best db's ever and breeze through for 300 yards in that weather i mean what are you gonna do, man? It's it, if they were playing in a dome or they were playing the offensive line, the running game, everything was going. If Brees had any conditions to work with, if he wasn't wearing those freaking gloves, um, then it's a different story. And it's it's tough sledding. I mean, everyone wants to blame Sean Payton and say that they don't like the play call. I mean, it, it's easy, I think, to to criticize and and feel like he should have called things differently. Um, it, it's hard to call a football game. It's hard yeah. to call a football game when you're when you're dealing with that kind of weather. Um, but look, I think the running game and the offensive line was fantastic overall.
2: Yeah. I rewatched the game, Andrew, not like you did to do the grades, just because I'm a masochist. And I was really critical of the screen game, but I counted three different screens where if the Saints guy catches it, they get big plays. Mark Ingram dropped one that would have been
3: a. Huge
2: play, I think, and Cadet top oh, yeah. one. Cadet. No, that
3: been, Cadet Cadet's might- still running if he catches that ball. He's still you know, running currently. Right now, he is yeah. still running. Yeah. Uh, it, it, isn't that – you know, ain't that some shit, man? You know, the, yeah. the, 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 the screens that they could have caught were the ones that would have gone for miles. And the few that were set up decently and the catch was actually made clean, uh, Seattle reads it perfectly and makes a tackle. There was that one screen they ran – where Grubbs completely whiffs on his block, and the play gets blown up. If he, doesn't, if he doesn't miss that block, that's another one that would have gone for miles. So they actually set up a couple of them really well, um, and it was either a missed block or a drop ball. And that, that was the story of the whole game. It was miscues, and you talk about special teams, the two miss kicks, the punt for 16 yards, the fumble by Mark Ingram, the 15-yard penalty by Ramon Humber that was just – so unnecessary um, the 15 yard penalty by by uh Bush. Raphael Bush where the the receiver's already dropped the ball you know and so Seattle wasn't doing any of that you know Seattle i mean besides maybe one long run that was called back for a holding penalty they didn't have all these mis- miscues or these shooting themselves in the foot the the bottom line is the weather in that game was what it was you weren't going to be able to to beat the other team by out-throwing them or out-coaching them, it, it was not about any of that. It was just about pure, simple execution, which team was going to tackle better and which team wasn't going to make mistakes. The Saints made all the mistakes, and they didn't tackle as well, and that's the bottom line, and that's why they lost. When, when you have weather like that, it evens the playing field to just not make – all you can do to win a game like that is not make mistakes and tackle well, and, and the Seattle just did it better, so they're the better team.
2: Kevin, as you watch this game, uh, you probably didn't drink as much as me. I drank a lot on Saturday. But as you watch this game and as it finished, and, you know, you don't want to make judgments off of one game, but sort of combine the Seattle game with the whole year. When you look at the Saints, and you, if I complete this sentence for me, for the Saints to get better and get a buy in 2014, they need to do What? specifically as number one on the list
1: have an easier schedule (laughs) well (laughs)
2: they've got that they're gonna have
1: that well they hey look man they there are games that they that they were that they could have should have had in 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 this season and if they did then you know is what it is uh but for next season uh I think improved O-line help. I mean, I mean, how many games, how many sacks did Drew Brees, uh, 37 season? And that's unusually high for him. And how many runs? I mean, Ingram, Ingram's probably going to be a better runner next year. Uh, Kerry Robinson's going to be better runner next year and improved O-line means better run support. So, the running game will probably be better. And that's, and that's, you know, whether Pierre is good or not or whatever, but, uh, yeah. Uh,
2: Dave, do you agree that that offensive line is the one, the most important thing that the Saints have to get better at?
0: Yeah, I think that's where I would be focusing. Um, you know, like I said at the top, um, Teron Armstead, I think we're good to go there. I mean, he may not be great now, but he uh, definitely has the potential to be. So I think you got to stick with him. So he's your left tackle.
3: Um, but in the ultimate of irony, after how horrendous the offensive line was all season and how poor they performed, you have to say that of any position on the team, offensive line – in my opinion, in the two playoff games played better than anything, play better than quarterback. I mean, the running backs look good too, I guess, but I mean, cut better than coverage, better than run defense. I mean, Andrew, I, but why, what clicked when you watch the tape, what clicked in? What was, what, what was different? I mean, I think they have five good players, I think, but yeah, I, like Dave said, I really think the left tackle changed everything. I, yeah. I think, I think when you have a left tackle, that is a huge weakness and the Achilles heel of your team, then everything else, every other mistake that the offensive line makes is, is magnified. Um, and so what we saw, for example, yesterday where they play a great game, yes, Zach Streef gets beat badly and has to hold and it negates a long pass. And yes, Jari Evans missed the block and it leads to a sack and a fumble. I mean so so they there were still some mistakes and and they were making those same mistakes all not not consistently but every once in a while DeLapointe gets a hold or Ben Grubbs misses a screen block I mean those things have happened over the course of the season but when you've got the left tackle that's consistently getting killed consistently putting up 2 to 3 penalties a week consistently giving up one to two sacks a week and you've got all these other hodgepodge mistakes left and right um then it, it adds up to a lot, but when your left tackle is holding it down and left tackle is supposed to be the best offensive lineman on your team, he's supposed to be your best. I mean, if, if you put Willie Roof at left tackle in his prime, then all of a sudden all these little mistakes that are just happening here and there don't matter as much. So I, the, so I, I just think it was a, it was a function of things being magnified. And then once you put a left tackle in there, that was actually competent and playing pretty well. And, I think Armstead played well against the Eagles, and I thought he played fantastic against the C- against the Seahawks. Everything fell into place. And, and the bottom line is the other four guys are pretty good players.
2: Well, here's the question then, and then Kevin, I'll start with you. Has he played well enough to where the Saints, it bumped – I know you said it's your number one priority, but do you think for the Saints that he's played well enough to say, you know what? If we re-sign Zach Strief, offensive line, eh, it's not as big a priority as maybe we thought a month ago.
1: Um, I know I said during the uh, during the podcast that that uh, Armstead definitely has earned the right to, you know, be the top guy. So I mean, whoever if they if they do bring somebody in, unless it is unless it is the fir- a first round pick for that specific for left tackle. Uh, then Armstead's got to be the guy. Um, I would still say that they need to get somebody on the O line in terms of for either depth help or to push and maybe I'm going to rephrase that to either challenge or push out the current guy who's in there. Now maybe that's maybe that's De La Puente, maybe that's Zach Streif, you know whoever whoever they may look at on the O-line as expendable or, or not cutting, you know, not cutting the mustard, then, then that's who you'd target in the first round.
0: Yeah. I think, I, th- I think who they have now, I think that's probably most likely your starting offensive line next year. I mean, I,
3: is actually, so you Schreif think they re-signed free... Streif and De La Puente? You think they're both signed? signed
0: yeah, I mean, if they can, I mean, I... <sighs> I don't know. It's tough. I don't know what other right tackles or other centers are out there on the free agent market. Um, well,
2: Cleveland's got Alex Mack. I don't know if they will franchise him, but I mean they have some other centers that would probably be slightly better than De La Puente. uh I,
0: I mean, I I think I, I just I think that knowing the Saints um, and knowing how they operate, um, I, I I certainly think that the offensive line is is serviceable as it is. And, um, I think if they if they can get away with, if they can low ball Streif, um, I mean, I don't think they're going to pay him some, some large amount of money, uh, which is why I don't know whether he's going to be here or not, because if there's some team that's out there that really needs a tackle, uh, you know, they may be willing to shell out more money than he's really worth. And, uh, he may go chase that Streif may go chase that, but, mm. you know, I mean, if they can, if they can low ball him, I, I think, I think Streif, uh, I, I think that's your starting offensive line, and I think I think I think you definitely work to improve in the off season. But I think, like Kevin said, that's more about bringing in competition, and maybe you get lucky, and maybe a younger guy or maybe a lesser known guy um, how uh, out, how plays one of the starters in training camp and surprises. But um,
2: well, well, here's a, here's the a thing though, Andrew. Yeah. With with Zach Strief is being a free agent, and he is older. I think he's thirty two or maybe 31 but here's the thing he's never made even like average NFL money for a right tackle like he was a he was a what I think he was a seventh round pick or no it was a fifth round pick I think in
3: 2007. Seventh, he was seventh.
2: he was seventh. so I think he he signed like a three-year deal for like five point something million in 2011 so he hasn't even made like average money so this is his last shot so yeah like any like 99% of NFL players he's going to take the money. I don't think he's cutting the Saints a discount. If if he gets like a 3-year, $15 million deal from Jacksonville and the Saints are offering him 3 years, 8 million, he's not taking less to go with the Saints. What do you think? I agree. What do you think the odds of him getting a short-term deal like maybe 2 to 3 years but getting in the $5 to $7 million range? What would the just Pull it straight out of your ass. What are the odds of him getting that kind of game? Uh, I,
3: I don't. I, I think they're low that he gets five to seven a year, but I think three to four a year is is pretty realistic for him. And I don't know if the Saints are going to be able to do that. Um, you know, Zach is the ultimate professional. I mean, he he's a captain on the team. He is he's an A plus quality locker room guy. Um, it's been a tough year for him personally. I know he he got divorced and, uh, right before the season, and uh, he was nah, married he's to New girl what's
0: that? He's he's dating now. Uh, uh his girlfriend is best friends with a buddy of mine's girlfriend, and so my buddy actually hangs out with Zach all the time now. Um so he's he's back right, on the he, wagon. But he I divorced that much.
3: but he he divorced, he divorced his uh his wife he uh, who's from New Orleans. So I think yes. personally it was it was a rough at le we'll say at least a rough off season for him. Um and but um for her store. <laughs> right, right. But um, so uh, I just think you know he he may be ready for a change of scenery. Um, and if the Saints can't afford him, I kind of view this as a as a Scott Fujita thing. You know where Streif is absolutely in the fabric of the team, and he's been here for a long time. I mean, he was the same draft class as Colston. I mean, can you imagine that the Saints in the seventh round get Colston and Streif in the same year? Um, and look how those two guys have turned out for the team. But uh, you know that they—that was the same draft class as Bush, and and it's, it's the two seventh-round picks ended up being the, the yeah Harper and the two seventh-round picks ended up being well, Evans, here, the, the, Jarry the Evans. best ones.
2: He, here's here's an interesting question, oh, then, yeah, Kevin. Oh yeah, sorry, Evans. You know Andrew just compared him to maybe getting a Scott Fujita deal, and everybody loved Fujita, but the Saints just waving Is goodbye
0: he to sign that Machu Picchu.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. But the, the Saints waving goodbye to Scott Fujita was absolutely right call because as soon as he signed with Cleveland, his body started breaking down rapidly. Is maybe it time to say Zach Streef, He's on the downside. We got to move on, as difficult as that is. Kevin?
1: Oh, I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey,
3: hey,
1: Kevin. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, there you, it, you know, I mean, it had been it had been so damn long since I was asked the question. I didn't yeah. know that one was coming my way. Um, is it time to cut ties with Zach Streif? Uh, and you had to bring up Fujita, man. Fujita's just I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I feel differently about Fujita. Just I don't know. Maybe it's his maybe it's his. His story. Maybe it's just uh, it his flowing hair. Yeah. I mean, I mean, seriously, man, the man, the man has impeccable hair. He really does. I mean, if I, I mean, look, if I could have any retired football players uh, set of locks on my head, it would probably be his. I mean, to hell with Troy Palomalu. Scott Fujita needs to be getting him some uh, shampoo commercials. But, and, and, and maybe some of that love for uh, Fujita also comes from, from the 06 season. And I'm biased. But I'll, I, I, <laughs> my answer is just going to be exactly what happened with Fujita. If Streef uh, comes along and says, okay, I want, I want all this money, and the Saints aren't willing to pay him, then tell him that and let him walk. And like I said, use the draft to uh, start looking at guys that can, that can fill the spot. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like that's going to happen with somebody. It, I mean, that's That's almost a, a sure thing. Somebody's going to come along and say, I want X number of dollars. And be like, well, we can't because we got to worry about this and this. And then the guy's going to go.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like the chemistry and the rhythm of the offensive line is finally through these last two playoffs games gotten to a point where it would be really nice for a change for the Saints everybody. to actually keep to keep all five guys. And we've seen, you know, the loss of Carl Nix and, and John Stinchcomb and Jonathan Goodwin. And, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, there's just been a lot of change uh, all the way across, you know, German Bushrod. I mean, there, there's been so much change over the years. And now finally this year you saw it kind of all come to a head. And the Saints really struggled this year on the offensive line. And then finally, I think at the end of the season and in those two playoff games, they got to a place where they felt pretty good about their offensive line and they were finally playing pretty well. And it would be nice to finally see the Saints invest in that again and get some continuity. Um, But they have to keep at least one of Streifen and and Delapointe. I mean, they have to keep at least one.
2: Well, if they if they don't I mean, if, if they if they if they don't keep if they don't keep at least one. Then you gotta oh, then, do something. Then then it's you gotta situation do something. The draft becomes critical because if you yeah. can't keep, if you can't keep at least one, they're probably not going to add a replacement via free agency. So then it becomes critical in the draft, I would think. Um, Dave, I'm going to throw this. I'm going to throw this theory at you that I have. Uh, the Saints were they won 12 games and it was a great year, but they really were kind of unlucky in 2013 in the fact that. They had a ton of injuries. I mean, they lost a bunch of guys, Victor Butler and Will Smith even before the year started, Uh, Joe Joe Morgan. Um, They had, I think, three-fourths of their secondary got hurt at time, Didn't Malcolm Jenkins miss time, Roman Harper miss time, and Kenny Vaccaro miss time, and Greer? Patrick Robinson. And Patrick Robinson. So they had a ton of injuries. And in close games, they were only 4-3, and which is just about average luck if you have a game that's a one-score game. So they they weren't lucky like 2012 Atlanta where they were just pulling games out of their ass left and right.
3: 2013 Panthers.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, so they had that. And also, too, I would argue that they got horrible breaks with the weather. I mean, if the Carolina game, if it's not a monsoon in the third quarter, they're probably playing Carolina yesterday at home. And they're right. going to see, you know, and they got a huge, a bad break with the weather. And I'm not making excuses for them losing the games individually, but I'm just saying, on the whole, I would argue that the Saints' luck for 2013 was kind of eh, too bad.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh,.
3: I mean, yeah, but that at the same really time, that team had some flaws.
2: Well no, I'm not saying they, they had any flaws but but I'm saying that like in two thousand ten, Andrew, they were pulling games out of their ass left and right. they were like six and one in close games
0: um so I'm saying that's you need a little luck, you definitely need a little luck in this league, uh, especially in the postseason, especially when you go on that 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 Super Bowl run uh, It's an oblong shaped football, and sometimes it takes funny bounces. <laughs>
3: Deep Thoughts by Deep Dave Cariello.
0: <laughs>
3: Son, I'm only going to say
1: this once. Lay off the drugs.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you need, you need a little bit of luck. And, and uh, you know, Ralph, you, you say that you don't want to make excuses, but all those things that you just threw out were well, excuses. I mean, it's not necessarily,
2: it's not necessarily ex- excuses in, a, in the fact that they, they, had, they won 12 games and they weren't really that – Fortunate, you know, where like you can say for Atlanta, they had their chance in 2012. They had home field. They went 13-3, and and they didn't cash their ticket. At least in the Saints in 2009, they got a shit ton of breaks. They cashed their ticket for a Super Bowl. I don't feel like this year was a lost opportunity like 2011 was where you felt like, God, if they had just beat the 49ers that had the Giants at home, that was a chance to win a world title. I don't feel like this year this team was good enough to win, and they weren't good enough to win, and they didn't get a lot of breaks. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Two... And, and
3: look, the fact that the Super Bowl is in New York is a tough break for that team too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that would have been a tough break it? even if we had made it. I mean, the, the, the two games really, I, I think three, four, five years from now when I look back on the season, I still think the two games that are going to stick out to me are the Patriots game and the second Panthers game. I think those, stung, those both stung the most because um, they were both games that the Saints fought back to take a lead late in the game, and they were both games that they wound up losing because they they gave the patriots and they gave the panthers one last chance and they didn't uh they didn't come up with the big stop or the big play at the very end when they needed it. And, it and and in both of those games it's unfortunate because the defense played played great for most of the game in both those games and it was just on those final drives of both those games where there was just a a meltdown um by the defense but you know, those two games in particular stick out. Those two games definitely could have ended different differently and had they ended differently. Um, obviously, the whole playoff seating and structure changes. And, um, you know, if the Saints are playing at home in the Dome, uh, we're probably talking about the NFC Championship game today as opposed to uh, well, golf. But um,
3: well, that's- Yeah, I agree. I agree, Dave, but I'll say this. I mean, I, I think... I mean, if, you, if you've been a Saints fan for a long time, and Ralph, I know, you know, obviously the mid to late 80s and the early yeah. 90s, you remember all those years. And it really, when we were kids all, and teenagers, all we were rooting for was just get a playoff win, for the love of God. And Ralph, you will remember this, in, in the 90s, when they finally won the first year, was it 2000, the first playoff it's win? 2000. Yeah. 2000, yeah, okay, with Hazlitt. Um, and, and look, they get skull dragged the next week against the Vikings, and we didn't even care. We were so happy. Yeah. They finally got the monkey off their back. They finally won. And so now, obviously, that that mentality has shifted with, with Sean Payton. And, and now you feel like there are true opportunities to go all the way, to win the title. And so you, the, these, these playoffs do feel a little bit different. They feel like missed opportunities now. Um, but this doesn't have the feel of the road loss to the 49ers. It doesn't feel like that. To me, what I take away from this season, you know, and when I look at this two, three years from now, this team was still able to accomplish history and win on the road in the playoffs for the first time ever. And that's a really big deal. For me as a as a Saints fan, as, as a Saints fan my whole life, as as a, a person who considers himself really big on the team history, uh, being able to do that is a really big deal. And the bottom line is Seattle was better and I expected him to lose on the road and the better team was deserving to win that game. And they did. So I think the saints were not built to win and get to the Super Bowl this season. That frankly, they just weren't good enough. Um, yeah. they, the the kicking game wasn't good enough. Uh, the offensive line for major patches of the year, wasn't good enough. The running game for major patches of the year, wasn't good enough. And so, and, and they didn't create turnovers. So, um, it's not to say this team wasn't good, but I, I just think for what they accomplished this year, um, I, I still feel good that they were able to get that monkey off their back. And, uh, I think that will serve them well. I really do. I think going into next year, we feel good about the home games. We know that it doesn't matter who they play. They've got a great chance to win every time out at home. And I think they're going to be a little better on the road after being battle tested this much this year.
0: Yes. I think the fact of the matter is, I mean, I, I don't think the Saints are a Super Bowl team. I don't think they deserve to be in the Super Bowl. They're not in exactly. the Super Bowl. I don't think they're a Super Bowl caliber team. In fact, I think that they are a lose in the divisional round uh, caliber team. I, I think, I think yep. that they went as far as 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 they could have gone. I, I think they.
3: They didn't they, they, dominate teams like they did in 2000. No,
0: absolutely not. Absolutely, absolutely not. Um, I think I think where they finished was right about where they should have finished.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and Kevin, my my biggest memories from 2013 will be the Philadelphia game, um, the second Carolina game, maybe the New England game a little, but the two plays that got me jumping out of my seats was the first Tampa game, the throw to Colston. And the Meacham play on Saturday were the two plays where I went completely bonkers what's your
3: not, uh, not the vicaro play at the end of the Falcons game the first one yeah yeah i
2: mean that that one that one too uh was but I'm talking about like when I was watching at home, I feel like the the experience in the stadium is a little bit different mm-hmm. um but kevin what's your what's what's your biggest memories from 2013?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think all of us are just going to say the Philadelphia game. And I mean, it almost sounds like a cop out at this point. But I mean, that's that's been the story is that that was the whole goddamn narrative is, oh, they can't win on the road. They can't win on the road, blah, blah, blah. And they finally did. And so hopefully that shuts up. uh, Hopefully that shuts up a, a, a large part of that. Pain in the ass narrative that the media loves doing,
2: and it was cold, so that works out good too, right? For next um, time, if they're on the road.
1: Yeah, what? What are my other favorite? I, I I don't know. Yeah. I I, I really don't. I mean, I, I mean, shit. You could pick, I guess you could pick any number of. Uh, I guess you could pick any number of instances when Jimmy Graham was towing, you know, <laughs> carrying sons of bitches but on him and behind him as he you know, took a long, uh, a long play or got a touchdown. I mean, you know, for, for all the crap that, for all the crap that uh, Twitter's given Jimmy Graham, uh, you know, over the last 48 hours, there were several instances during the season when he asserted his dominance, you know what, thinking about it. Jimmy Graham breaking the, the goalpost in, in the Georgia Dome. That's
2: a good one. There you go. That was great. Yeah, there I, you go. I completely forgot about that.
1: Right. So that followed up by the, sh- the camera shot of the, the, the young Falcon fan holding that stupid rise-up <laughs> towel <laughs> with a big pouty look on his face right there. i tell you what. Cancel my Philadelphia that answer. Kid. Yeah. Can- that is, I, yeah. That anything, that, anything that crushes the hopes and dreams of children is fine by me. So you can take <laughs> the Philadelphia answer. Yeah, I'll take – yeah, remove that and put Jimmy Graham breaking the uh, the goalpost and the sad child.
3: Yeah,
2: that's – I think that's that's the best one so far. But um, I
3: mean I, I think if you look at this – I mean if you look at the 2000 – I can't remember if it was 2010 or 11 now, but the season where they beat Detroit and then lose to San Fran in San Fran. 11. 11, OK. So – I feel like if you look back at that season, no one remembers the, the home win against Detroit. No one remembers that playoff game. Everyone remembers San Francisco yep. where the Saints lose and Roman Harper and Malcolm Jenkins get toasted by Vernon Davis in miracle fashion. That's, what ev- that's the takeaway for everyone. And I really feel like three years from now and down the road, the takeaway from these playoffs isn't the loss at Seattle. I really feel like the takeaway is the win on the road. Yeah at Philly, the exhilarating feeling of that kick by Shane Graham against all odds to after his fourth field goal to seal the deal for the Saints. Yeah. And and um so I mean from that standpoint I think you gotta feel pretty good about the season because the takeaway is a positive one. Yes, it's disappointing to lose. It's disappointing not to go back to the Super Bowl and that should be the only goal of any team that's that good. Um, but um, as a fan, hey, I'll take it, man. It, it yeah, could be and, a lot worse.
2: And they infu- you know, they they, it, you know, it seems like it's such a foregone conclusion now. But they infused this, they sort of transitioned this roster over, and it was really old going in after 2012. The roster was really old, and they flipped it, and it's really young. And they infused a bunch of people on defense. You know, they got. Hicks and Corey White in 2012, yeah. and say whatever you want about Corey White, but he was a dumpster fire in 2012, and he was almost mediocre this year. So that's a huge.
3: I mean, you guys beat. remember the playoff loss to the Eagles oh in the God. 90s, and the playoff loss to the Niners, to the Falcons in oh, the Superdome, and and of course the 49ers game on the road. Those playoff games left scars, man. I mean, yeah, th- those you, are those are if, scars that you, never go away.
2: If you lose a home playoff game, it it Really,
3: those fuck, leave scars. It fucks, and, you. and it Saint, fucks your Saints, whole. I don't think the Saints I, for. I don't think they left the fans with any scars this year.
2: No, I, I think it, it. It. I think it feels a lot like 2006, where it's like, yeah, it was disappointing that we lost to Rex Grossman in Chicago, but it was like, there's a lot of good stuff to come because, like I just said, the roster is is so, it's young and and that's a good sign. And we're we're not we're not going to do too much off season because we have plenty of podcasts to get into that. But Andrew. <laughs> The Saints are $17 million over the cap, and some places I read, they make it seem like a crisis. But tell me if I'm wrong. If the Saints just say goodbye to Will Smith, uh, make Lance Moore take a pay cut, make Roman Harper take a pay cut, aren't they like almost 95% of the way to getting under the cap? Now, that doesn't mean they can sign free agents and that sort of thing, but the problem of getting under the cap isn't that difficult a thing for them to do.
3: Now, so two two buzzwords um, that that I I kind of you know any any yeah bzz, anytime you're listening to Sean Payton or Loomis talk to the media, um, you always hang on to little nuggets that they leave you you know little buzzwords that they'll say in the press and you hang on to those and there's one thing that Loomis said towards the end of last off season um, that I've kind of hung on to and and he you know he kind of admitted he said you know, this off season was was pretty tough. He said, you know, it was it was challenging with the, the cap situation that we were in and trying to do Drew's contract. And he said, and he mentioned, you know, next year is going to be challenging as well, but it's not going to be like what we faced this year. He said something like that uh, right at the end of last offseason. And so I, I've kind of kept planted, that planted a seed, and I've kind of kept that in the back of my mind. And I, he's got a plan. He's prepared. Um, he, he, he knew he was going to be at this point when the season ended. And and I just think he knows exactly what he wants to do. And I don't think Loomis is that worried. And we know how good Loomis is at handling situations like these. So I'm going to take his word for it that he knows exactly what he needs to do and everything's going to be fine. Um, in terms of the pure numbers, uh, merely cutting Will Smith and Roman Harper pretty much puts them even, you know, and that's just two players. Now you're right. They still have to get under. They still have to hopefully target free agents, hopefully sign some of their own, and also sign draft picks. So um, it doesn't stop at cutting Roman Harper and Will Smith, but that at least gets them even with the cap. Um, And then from there, he's going to have to get creative with how he manipulates it. But um, like I said, he kind of made some comment. Um, And then Sean Payton makes a comment in the press today that, yes, we have a cap situation we need to figure out, but lucky for us, you know we have Mickey Loomis, who's one of the best in the business at handling that stuff. So um, and Kai I, Harley, I, yeah. yeah. And, and look, I said last uh, last off season, Ralph. After I told you how dire the, the cap was and how worried I was about everything, and then it all kind of worked itself out. I told you that I would never doubt Mickey <laughs> Loomis again. And you're I, told you, with I, don't, I don't know if you remember this. But I do. I've made the mistake before. I'm not making it again. Mickey will find a way. As long as this team has Drew Brees as its starting quarterback, they will do whatever is necessary to field a competitive team and try to put weapons around him and try to patch up any holes or weaknesses they have on the roster. And Sean Payton
2: said as much today
3: in the press conference. Yep, and so based on that, I think the Saints fans, yes, we might lose some guys that are your favorites. We might trade a player that you love. Um, We might have to let go of Lance Moore. Might have to get rid of Pierre Thomas. I'm not saying that's happening. I'm just saying something might happen. One of the players you really like might not be on the team next year. But the bottom line is that we'll get new guys in there. We'll get talented guys that will help the team, that will improve the team. And the Saints will be ready and primed to make another run next year. Yeah.
2: All right. Um, Dave, I'm gonna start this question with you and then we'll go around the horn. Um with the Saints out, this final four, the media says the games are great and they might be, but these teams, I hate them all so fucking very much. <laughs> um I don't know who to I don't know who I want to root for. I want a comment to hit MetLife Stadium. Um who are you who 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 do you want to win the Super Bowl or do you have a team that you just are like? I don't care who wins the Super Bowl, just not this team.
0: Yeah, um, honestly, I kind of feel like you, Ralph. This is this is just it's such a boring right? four teams. I mean, <laughs> the Patriots—they're always in it. Uh, San Francisco—they went to the Super Bowl last year. Seattle—well, we don't like Seattle now. Um, <laughs> so honestly, I think that leaves for me personally. I think that leaves Denver. I guess we root for Peyton Manning. Uh, you know, New Orleans son um they're in the AFC so it poses no threat to anybody in the NFC there's no real rivalry there um so i mean i think for me i think i'm rooting for you know for denver even though really they they you know they don't excite me really i mean nothing about denver really excites me i mean obviously they're a high powered offense but still uh, this is just they're just four boring teams. I mean, there's no real. I mean, and all four of these teams did very well in the regular season. You know, it's not like uh, where you've got a seven and nine or an eight and eight Giants making yeah. uh, some crazy run. Um, it's it's it's. Uh, these are all good teams. These are all teams that if you had predicted who would be there at the end, um, you know. In week fourteen of the season, uh, all four of these teams probably would have been there. Um, so there's there's no dark horse. There's nothing. There's no exciting underdog to root for. Um, so I guess I'm gonna go with Peyton Manning and the Broncos.
2: Kevin, uh, you called. I think one of these. I think you called Seattle the team full of douche canoes <laughs> on the uh, post game podcast. What team? Will you be rooting for because they have the least amount of douche canoes?
1: That's- I mean, r- r- yeah. I mean, r- really, that's that's kind of what you're doing. I mean, that's kind of what this is. It's the lesser evils, right? You're going into a voting booth. I mean, that's what this is. You're, you're this is po- This is this is politics, right <laughs> here. You just just pick pick the. Candidate. We're all losing. Right, yeah. exactly. We're all losing. You pick the candidate that you think is least likely to screw up the world the most. so so in this particular case i'm gonna go denver because what am i gonna do am i gonna am i gonna root for jim for jim harbaugh Mm. and the goddamn 49ers Mm. no no am i gonna root for brady and bill belichick and bill oh no and those Mm. those clown shoes no No. am i gonna root for the 9-11 truther and 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 his merry band of douchebags (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, no i'd rather not and Although, but no he could shirts.
2: be he if they win he could be a guest on alex jones don't forget
1: actually,
3: his tight t-shirts don't forget his tight t-shirts
1: yeah. yeah and and he could be screaming false flag every five seconds every time the ref throws out the yellow flag <laughs> actually there might be a benefit if the seahawks do win because you know in a few years they're just going to strip them of the super bowl anyway for some sort of violation that pete carroll allegedly committed yeah. um
3: so allegedly. yeah Allegedly.
1: I will go with uh the Denver Broncos on this one. I think I mean, look, if if Peyton wins another Super Bowl, you know, good for him, but you know, the national media is just gonna slurp him up a- I mean the national media slurps him up anyway, and hopefully that'll end the narrative that he can't win or that he's not whatever, but I don't know. I, I yeah, I'll go I'll go with Peyton.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go Denver with Peyton too. I'm going to go with Peyton too, and I'm going to tell you one thing is and, – and and this, this – they had an article on Grantland a while ago, and it was – it charted quarterbacks. And it, it basically says once a quarterback hits 38, I think there was only like one of them that had a decent year after that, like – and that was Brett Favre with the right. Vikings in 09. Like they just – history says once you hit 38 as a quarterback, the odds say it's like an 80% chance that you're falling off a cliff. And Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are at that age, so this really could be it. And I know you don't think that because you're like Peyton Manning; he just threw for five, fifty-five hundred yards and fifty-seven touchdowns, and Tom Brady's rolling along. But history tells us this might be it for them. And if it's it for Peyton Manning, I'm fine with him getting another trophy. So it's it's uh, it's Denver for me too. Um, and my wife, uh, she hates them all, and she's just. Uh, bitter about Miami and she was mad that the Saints uh, wouldn't let Ryan Pace interview for the general <laughs> manager job. She wants to make that known.
0: Um, whatever happened with Richie Incognito and that whole thing?
3: I don't know. That, he, I think, he's, he's, he's suspended for the season. No. I can't imagine he's coming back next no. year. He's, he's a free agent.
2: I can't imagine anyone signing him. Um, here's a good question for you, Andrew. Andrew. Uh, the Pro Bowl, they're going to have the draft. And I saw today on Pro Football Talk that Dion is actually going to play in the Pro Bowl. I don't know what the What? I, yeah.
3: He, he's I, already said that he that they've already changed their mind. He's not playing oh, No, he's not playing. So yeah. – but here's the thing. <laughs> they're going to have a draft. So they're going to draft the team. So it's not going to be
2: NFC. It's going to be
0: like gym class, high school yeah, gym class.
2: it's going class. to be like gym class. They're going to be like, I want you, I want you. So if Drew Brees is on one team and Cameron Jordan is on another team – under no circumstances can Cameron Jordan even touch Drew Brees on a pass rush. That's how it's got to be, right, Andrew?
3: Yeah, uh, yes, yes. And and I I really refuse to say anything else beyond that because until proven otherwise, the Pro Bowl is bullshit. <laughs> I, I barely even acknowledge it as a thing. Uh, the honor is great to make it. I, I do pay attention to that. But as far as the game itself, I, I hardly even watch it. And it's it's a pathetic excuse for an All-Star game, and um I it's just I, – I couldn't hate it anymore. Every time I get suckered <laughs> into watching that trash, and I'm utterly disappointed, and one of these days I'm not going to fall the for it. The thing
2: is, moving it to the week between the Super Bowl and the championship games was actually genius because we're all so used to watching football on Sunday. We just – reflexively put it on but when it used to be after the super bowl i never watched it because i was like the soup the super bowl happened football season's over i'm done and you just miss
3: it but now it's like the worst man it's just it's the worst
2: but kevin i know it's not nearly as fun as as the national media talking about the saints winning in seattle or winning a playoff game and that sort of thing but how much fun would it be for hypothetical if cam jordan On the final play of the Pro Bowl, had a chance to sack Drew Brees, and instead of sacking him, just stopped, and Drew Brees threw the winning touchdown. And it made (laughs) Skip Bayless' head explode on
1: Monday. How much fun would that be? It would – yeah, it it would be the most glorious (laughs) – yes, it would – I mean, this would be Christmas in February. It would be. Or Christmas in January. I mean that – I mean – Anything that makes Skip Dallas no, his no, head explode. No, no, no. That, anything that's going to happen... You know what's going to happen? This
3: message board guy is going to say... Why couldn't Cam Jordan get a pass rush like that in the playoff game, or why, <laughs> couldn't, why couldn't Drew Brees throw that touchdown pass in the what, last seconds of the Seattle game? And I'm gonna I stab like,
2: I like that. Andrew Jude's message board guy voice. He's like, uh yeah, it's apparent,
0: like, there's a lot of Saints, Saints fans in West Virginia.
2: Yeah, it's like it's like uh, it's like Matthew McConaughey after a couple lines of Coke. <laughs> all right all right all right his speech yesterday at the golden globes was awesome which you know it's the off-season people when we're starting to talk about the golden globes um did anybody did any of you knuckleheads watch the golden
1: globes yesterday i,
0: I watched his speech where he in, it did an impression of himself
1: <laughs> i actually did not see his speech i only saw the monologue with uh tina fey and amy poehler do you guys even know what
3: do you, i'm gonna answer your question with another question ralph do you even know what sporting event is going on right now? No, I don't.
2: I have no idea. Any of
3: you guys have any idea about something that that I'd be into right now?
2: Tennis? Is it uh, no, Australia the Australian college Open? College basketball?
3: The Australian Open. Yeah, the okay. the first Grand Slam of the season. So, I was I was not watching the Golden Globes. Thank you very much. Oh.
2: Will, a, will an American man uh, win a Grand Slam before your child turns 10, Andrew? Yeah, and- no. <laughs> <laughs> Try thirty. Yeah. I love the the best joke of the Golden Globes was when Amy Poehler said, uh, "They're gonna give let's give a nice warm welcome to uh, Leonardo DiCaprio." Uh, I, I blew it. Never mind. I can't. I can't. It's something. So it was something about a, a, a nice warm. Uh, I I can't. Something about yeah, a giant. Something
0: about a model.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: I don't remember what it was either, it was, but I know what you're trying to this,
3: say. This this sounds kind of like when you do the Pelican House uh, advertisement, Ralph.
2: Yeah, but at least we're not we're not we're not getting I'm not getting uh we're not getting paid to do uh Amy Poehler.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, w- I wonder if she eats duck braised nachos.
2: She does. She should. She should. Everybody <laughs> should, especially in the off season. <laughs>
0: Getting back on topic, I don't think as far as the Pro Bowl is concerned, I don't think there's anything you can do to improve the game. If, if, if players aren't going to go all out and be physical um, like a regular season or a playoff game, then it's it's always going to be um, uh, just a, a, a shell of, of, of what it's supposed to be. I mean, I think what they need to do is just come up with some sort of elaborate like skills competition. I mean, I, I would watch that i mean and i thought that that idea had been thrown around but i mean that's what they need to be doing they need to be doing like shit that you'd see like uh, on a sub menu in madden 13 or whatever you know where you've got you pick the the six best quarterbacks and you have an accuracy competition and a, uh and you do that kind of stuff battle of the network stars but they have it like yeah i mean something like that i mean I, you know it makes it tough on you know i don't know what you do for 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 offensive linemen or stuff like that. Hell, just put them through drills. We all fucking analyze the combine <laughs> like it's uh, like it's and some that, big fucking deal, and that we don't even run. watch the goddamn Pro Bowl. So just put them through another fucking combine, and, and viewership will double. <laughs> I got yeah, an idea. Spe-
1: speaking of the draft, go ahead. Okay, so so hear me out. So I'm actually so because I'm at my parents' house. Uh, they actually have cable, and so I'm watching television. And because it's Monday night, I'm actually watching uh, professional wrestling. Now they I actually have this. cable.
0: Don't say that like most people don't have cable. You're the only one that doesn't
1: have cable. Yes, no. I know. And so it's it's like a it's like a miracle. Um. So so back in the day, uh, and I'm sitting up saying this like I'm a 16 year old girl. So back in the day, uh, there was a <laughs> Wrestling promotion called uh WCW and they had this event called War Games. Basically it was War Games. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> oh all things sound brutal and apocalyptic in the world of professional wrestling.
0: Would you like to play a game?
1: Thanks, Joshua. <laughs> okay. So two two uh two teams, uh five men or four four or five men ranged on the year. <laughs> David, <laughs> uh, both teams would start out with one person in the ring. It was like a double ring, uh, double ring covered in a cage, and it looked ridiculous, and it looked awesome. So starts out with one man from each team in the ring. Two minutes go by. Coin gets flipped. Another team member goes in. And then that starts the, the cycle. So there's a two-on-one advantage, then a two-two, then a three-two advantage, then it evens up again, then it's four, three, so on and so forth. Cycles. What if we did that? What, <laughs> what if we did that with the Pro Bowl, where we start off with a certain number of players on each team and maybe make it like they're running seven on seven? You right. flip a coin, and you know Belichick is going to somehow flip a flip – a du- get a double-sided coin into there. Not so not the AFC is going to wind up with the, with the one-man advantage for like, I don't know, two minutes of – I don't know, two minutes of regulation or maybe five consecutive minutes. I don't know, and then the NFC gets to add a guy to make it even, and then you keep going back and forth until you get 22 apiece, and then both so- – then the remaining guys show up you know, just on the roster magically. I don't know.
2: I like, I, games, there's a million Pro things Bowl they could
1: games. do that would Pro be Pro Bowl war cool. games. Right. I think
2: they should just do seven on seven and have that, have seven on seven with no offensive linemen, but bring the offensive linemen to the Pro Bowl and have them do – An eating contest.
3: That's what I was going to say. Like, uh... I think every idea that you guys just came up with is the fucking worst thing I've ever heard.
0: (laughs) All right, I found... (laughs) The Pro Bowl game was the worst thing you ever heard. (laughs)
2: True. And and, and I'll probably watch a quarter and a half of it. I found found the Leonardo DiCaprio joke for the Golden Globes and I just want to say it because it's funny and I butchered it nine times. Here it is. And now, like a supermodel's vagina, let's all give a warm welcome to Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm the king of the world <laughs> and it was awesome him,
0: and the censors
2: didn't bleep it which was, a, anytime that, you can tell, was you know, they
0: did bleep something i he i think he he made a comeback that i think they, bleep, uh, the, they was, did, like, they did out.
2: and they bleeped the fuck out of diane keaton when <laughs> she was uh when she was doing the thing for uh
3: are we still talking about the Golden Globes?
2: My
0: God! Did VS lesbian actresses come out and let us know that they were lesbians, like we didn't know for the last 30 years? Lesbians.
2: So that's you know it's the, we know it's the off season now. So before we wrap this thing up, Kevin is gonna wrestle in February. He's not just gonna be a manager or give play by play for wrestling matches. How Don't well- you
3: mean Sean Orleans?
2: Yes, Sean Orleans. You're going to wrestle. So, Kevin, who are you wrestling in February, and what is your signature
3: go-to move?
1: Uh, uh, the, the, an- the answer as to who I'm wrestling is unknown at this point. Those things usually uh, don't been. get determined until uh, until the week of, sometimes even the day of.
3: As will to, we, get, as will for- we get some YouTube viewage of this?
1: Uh, I will make absolutely positively certain that whatever I end up doing in the ring is on YouTube, yes. and and yes. I will make absolutely positively certain that you guys get first viewing of it.
2: Yeah, we'll, yes. we'll have to – I'll have to edit that audio, and we'll play it on the podcast even though people won't be able to see it, and we'll throw in a
0: YouTube link. Well, if he, oh. maybe if he gives like some sort of like pre-match speech or something.
3: <laughs> yeah, so – Kevin I'm going to I'm going to start a player grade, a wrestler grade during the off season <laughs> for all your wrestling moves and all your matches and I'm just going to grade all your performances
1: and I'll have oh, yeah, a GPA you, you at the, the end of the, sharp. At, at
3: the end of the season.
1: You got to keep your grading sharp, so I'm I'm yeah. happy to help. Yeah. Sweet. Um
2: so it's it's not officially the f- football off season, but it is Saints off season now. So I'll start around the horn to wrap this podcast up, Dave. Now that it's the off season, what do you do to fill the void in your life? Mm. (laughs) Fill it.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, I hate to be lame and sappy, but I just hang out with my son. My my wife. As you as you said at the top of our podcast, um, it's time to become a a loving husband again and a doting father. Um, they've they've missed me for the last four or five months, and they're glad to have Daddy back um, so uh, I'll, I'll spend more time with my with my kid on on Sundays, which are also my one day a week off so do the dishes
2: <laughs> Kevin sounds like the girl from Poltergeist <laughs> <They're> here. <laughs> uh andrew
3: do you play the guitar do you play tennis oh my god um oh, sorry <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to pull it together here um yeah i mean same thing you know i i spend so much time blogging and so much time doing grids and and whatnot that it'll be nice to just have some time with the fam you know now i've got a second kid a three month old so daddy daddy duty is ramped up a bit um <laughs> Double the responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, exactly. So, yeah, just just focus on that. And uh, the good news is, my son is is starting to enjoy Saints games more and more. So I'm really hoping by next season, he's in a position where he I can literally just sit him down on the couch and he'll actually just watch an entire game. Good mm-hmm. times. By
1: next oh, season, I think I'm looking for to that. that. And of oh, yeah. course,
2: and of course, Kevin, you'll be wrestling. Don't yes, crash. I
1: will be. Yes, I will be. Right. I will be. I will be wrestling. That's I will be. <laughs> I'll be wrestling, out and you. I'll. And I'll. <laughs> it's still real to me. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'll. I'll be working on my uh, wrestling and commentary career, and you know, trying to find the uh, future. <laughs> the next uh, future X Misses Held.
2: Good job. What's your day job? <laughs> And I will be, I will be continuing my quest to learn how to play Neil Young's Heart of Gold on the guitar. Are
0: you really, are you really trying to play that?
2: I am really trying to play that, but I haven't picked up the guitar in like three months, so it's not gonna
0: end well.
1: I've been a miner for a heart of gold, <laughs> it is. and I'm getting old.
0: That sounds <laughs> better <laughs> than Neil Young.
2: Yeah, it really
3: does. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> My
2: my wife just said, can you go back in the kitchen? You're a worse singer than me when I'm playing Neil Young, Heart of Gold and trying to play
0: it. And that's – Well, let's cool. hear it then. Come on. Get her on. Let's go. <laughs> if you can't take the
2: heat, get out of the kitchen. <laughs> oh. oh, Lord. So – and oh, by the way, our Martha, our contest winner, we have tried to contact your son to make fun of him, and he has not returned our emails and
0: calls. He's a deadbeat, Martha.
2: It is. He's, and and,
1: and he, is, Seattle, he is very much a deadbeat.
2: Seattle won, so he should have more reason to call us and explain to us why granola eating, fish loving, pearl jam, worshipping, northeast, whatever.
0: Coffee drinking.
2: Yeah. He should be excited. Uh. So, And by the way, donate to the podcast. We still need the money for audio for 2014. Donate to us uh, so you can hear things like... Uh, you know kevin sounding clear
0: when he moves a body or uh you know <laughs> that's you need you need us in the off season you they do you you do
2: it's going to be it's going to be a long cold and you know didn't they move don't they move the didn't they move the draft back this year
3: yeah yes yeah, that sucks it's so, in may now so it's even no, that's
0: perfect. that's good for blogging. That means I can just continue to baselessly speculate for another month <laughs> about <laughs> shit that I have no idea what I'm talking about.
3: Yep, uh, pretty much. I think the same oh, should God go with. I, <laughs> I think the Saints should go with Odell Beckham in the first round, Jarvis Landry <laughs> in the second round, Jeremy Hill in the third round, yeah. uh, Trey Turner in the fourth round, and Cairo Santos in the uh, fifth round. Best yeah, draft ever.
0: Yeah, an all Louisiana slate.
2: Yeah, we can just we can have Andrew. If they do that, you can just read off the draft picks for the podcast, and I can just play the LSU fight song underneath.
3: <laughs> no, here, great. Here, but here's, I mean, a, legitimate, here's wouldn't a legitimate that be the question. perfect draft? I mean, are there players other than LSU anyway? No, they're not. <laughs> no, I'm not aware. I don't think
0: so. If 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 each state had just one team, so in other words, because Florida's got like three teams, so that's not fair. But if each state had just one team, and each team had to field their team their nfl team with only players from their state i think i think i think the saints would have a chance of being one of the best teams in the league on a regular basis Ooh,
2: they'd, oh, have, yeah. they'd have quarterback issues though because El, because El, i mean
0: Mattenberger, baby
2: Matt, well this year who, who is well no that's true because we would get we'd we'd have peyton we'd have had peyton for 20 yeah years. oh yeah Right, because does yeah. he? Well, does it? Does it, Does he get to go to the Titans or does he get to go to the Saints? No, I yeah, think he, it's, goes, it's, he
0: I, goes to the Titans. I don't think it's where you played college. I think it should be where you play where you played high school. Oh, okay. Well, then the fast. Oh. Dave,
2: you needed to save that man. We need that's a topic. That's a whole podcast topic. In
0: write April, that shit down. Write that shit down.
2: Yeah, write that shit down. That's right. So. That's it, people. The Saints lost. We're sorry. The off-season is long and cold and boring, but we'll, In, help, you we'll help you get sadness. through it. Infinite sadness. Go to Saints Nation and... Get pop to Saints Nation. Go to <laughs> Go to Canal Street Chronicles. Um, you You even write an off-season power pool. You never know.
1: <laughs> yeah, right?
2: I <laughs> So... Jordan
1: so, Lazy... <laughs>
2: And now you're turning it into like the phone sex operators on
3: Comedy Central morning. When did the whispering start? You started
0: it, I thought, Juge. Did I? Yeah, I thought so.
3: God, it's so terrible. <laughs> it.
0: I think I think in the off season we I think in the off season we should have a. A weekly bit where we prank call somebody. I think we should start prank calling people.
2: I think we should too. We can be the jerky boys of the, but only, the only in whispering. The only the, the, <laughs> the we should do that in the twenty aughts. We could be the new jerky boys. This is uh, solved
3: MU. Solid. <laughs>
1: they were very mean to me.
0: <laughs>
1: I think this is about, message
0: board guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, message board guy, Sir Kevin, and creepy voice guy all hang out together.
3: Oh, Don't forget uh, the, the, uh, the French guy, Andre. Oh, you know, God. right. <laughs> he speaks uh, very good uh, English. Oh, my God. Kevin, wash your fucking hands so we can get out of here.
2: <laughs> but you can't. But he can't because he's in the car with his mom. He was being a good son. He surprised his mom on her 70th birthday. Uh, let's give Kevin a hand for uh, for being, being a good son. Wash big, big, yeah. We need a bath. All right, you. I gotta, I gotta end this for Kevin, and for Dave. This podcast is off the rail. You got (laughs) seven more months of this, people. Aren't you excited? So long.